Well, g'day, welcome to another edition of Chewing the Fat. Now, the Aussies take on Bosnia-Herzegovina today in the first round of the Davis Cup qualifiers. Who better talk about than the man that knows all things tennis? That's Brett Phillips. He's host of the first serve on SEN in Melbourne and a tennis commentator himself. Did some great things recently with the Australian Open. Brett, great to have you on Chewing the Fat, mate. Tell us about today's game and uh, this huge tie between Australia and Bosnia-Herzegovina. Hey, pleasure to be on your show, Brett, because I've seen a few editions of uh, Chewing the Fat and uh, you've had some star-studded guests, so I feel quite honoured <laughs> to uh, come along on some of the talent you've had, but no, not lovely to be back in Adelaide. Uh, it's an amazing area. I mean, I come to the footy at the Adelaide Oval a lot, and you know, I've seen the redevelopment of Memorial Drive, taking a little peek through the fence over the last sort of 12 months, and you know, the first tie here since 2004. So I know, you know Leighton pushed that pretty hard, being an Adelaide boy, and um, I know that further redevelopment is going to take place. I was privy to sort of seeing some, um, some pictures uh, when I was up in Brisbane. Uh, speaking to a couple of people from Tennis SA, so that facility is going to look magnificent. Look, it, it feels different because the Davis Cup has changed, and not to the pleasure of the Australian camp, to be totally honest. Um, so this is the only time we're actually going to have a home and away tie situation. As a qualifier, if we win, we don't play till November at the new Davis Cup finals, which will be in Madrid. So 18 nations uh, will be competing in Madrid on. Uh, neutral territory. So the Davis Cup has certainly from an Australian perspective not lost its luster in terms of the commitment and the fact you're representing Australia but it's just not the same. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out all through the year but we have home court advantage here uh, Bosnia, look, uh, Demir Zhumha is a very, very good player and he's currently ranked 52 in the world but as high as 23 he's won three titles he's, he's a tricky First up opponent for John Millman, who's going to play him uh, today, and he's just a really good all-court player. Beyond that, you know, I think us as a team, and I like the team that Leighton selected, should be able to account for Bosnia here on the hard courts. It's a different format, you know, two singles today, doubles and two singles tomorrow. It's best of three, so it's all been condensed down. But if we can't get it done against Bosnia, I'm not suggesting there'll be an inquiry, but uh, <laughs> there'll be a few disappointed people. Yeah, no Hewitt, uh, sorry, no Kyrgios and uh, no Tomic, so it does put a bit of extra pressure on Milman and Steve um, How do you think we'll go? Well, I think they're ready for it. And I think you've, in, in any circumstance of a Davis Cup team, you've got to pick your players in form, don't you? So Alex deserves his spot. What a year. John Milman, you know, jumped 80 spots in the rankings last year. He's on the verge of the top 30, so he deserves his spot. John Pearce is the double specialist. Uh, terrific player, Pearcey. Jordan Thompson is the interesting one. They didn't go empty. He's higher ranked. So, but Tomo's played a lot of doubles with Leighton and he will play doubles with John Pearce. And he's also that singles option, depending how the, the opening day goes. And then great for um, Alexi Poplin to get a look in. And I think that's that's reward for how far he's come. He's jumped about five, 600 spots in the rankings in the last 12 months. So he gets a taste of being around the Davis Cup team. But I don't think there's... Um, is in pressure. I think Leighton's got a team that wants to be here, who are going to give it their all, um, who are going to play hard. They love representing Australia. We've seen it with Alex, and he made his debut 12 months ago, played that pulsating five-set match against Ferrier up in Brisbane. And John Millman gets another crack. Last time he played was 2017 in that uh, World Group semi-final, and uh, he's come a long way since then. His body stayed in good nick. So... I think the only pressure is the pressure you really you put on yourself. Yeah. yeah. We spoke um, 
just before about Tommy as well off air and the south between him and Leighton Hewitt. What do you make of it all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, gee, open up, open up a can of worms uh, <laughs> with this. But look, this is this has been going on for a while. Well, they've had a love-hate relationship for a long time. And I think the most pertinent thing that Leighton said was he's a product of his upbringing. I think we all are. We're all a product of our upbringing. And you know, if you look inside the John Tomic Bernard Tomic situation, you know, it's just been caught with controversy. It's been an unusual life. I mean, he's a young guy who goes on the road with his dad as a 13, 14-year-old. He lives an abnormal existence to people who go through school and just, you know, not in that tennis sporting elite bubble. It's disappointing because I love watching Bernard Tomic play because it's different. But unfortunately, every time he's taken a step forward and been half likeable, he puts his foot in the game and and just says ridiculous things. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, Bevan, I'll describe it like this. Not everyone likes Lake McGill. He will polarise people. But in Bernard's Tomic, Bernard Tomic's case, hit your own backyard in order before you're taking pot shots. His, his own backyard's not in order. He's not committed to the sport, doesn't want to coach. He's got more talent on his little finger than most players in the game have got, but he can't commit to it. And he has no sense of just being part of the team. And um, So, yeah, I mean, that, that's about, I think we'll probably not ever recover, to be totally honest. Whether the Curios situation recovers, I don't know. I mean, they're both just in the wilderness right now. They're two players that we don't necessarily need to talk about. Yeah, it is sad what's happened with them, but from a real positive note, we saw five players make it through to the yep. third round of the Aussie Open. First time in 13 years, that's got to be exciting for Australian tennis. Yeah, it's great. So right now you've got Demon Orr, who I can't see um, falling away. So he's at 28 right now, which is extraordinary how far he's come in the last 12 months. So I think for him, I think he'll at least maintain his ground this year and hopefully defend his points. Since if he can stay somewhere between 20 and 30, as a 19, 20-year-old, great result. Um, you know, Millman, whether Johnny's exhausted everything out of himself, I mean, I think he's done a mighty job to get to 33. He's a, he's a huge talent. He's also got his, you know, deficiencies. But if he can at least maintain a spot around 30, you know, Ebden, great effort. If he can stay somewhere between 30 and 40, I'm not sure here, Millman, who are 29, 30, can maybe advance into that sort of top 20 conversation. Uh, I, I love Jason Kubler. If he can get himself fit, I think he can play Davis Cup tennis for Australia. But he's had six knee surgeries, got inside the top 100 last year. But he's a gee, he's a kid. I mean, one stage he had 14 cents in his bank account. So, you know, he's he's done it the hard way. I saw him up in Brisbane. Funny little story, actually. We were jumping in the car together. I was going back to the hotel. He said to the lady, you just drop me at the train station. I've got my car there. He's a, he's a professional tennis player. He's had a really good year. And he's just pretty, you know, pretty casual and laid back. Um, and then, yeah, Alexi obviously seems to have really good people around him. We haven't seen a lot of him in Australia because he's been quite out there. He's been based mainly in Spain uh, for a large part of his childhood and youth. So I think the men are really pushing each other really well. There's a good culture there. And I think the women are starting to develop that as well under Nicole Pratt. Yeah, Ash Barney, what a story, making it through to the corners uh, of this year's Australian Open. She has to be a real chance to uh, make it to the top five and then be in it, I reckon. Yeah, I think... I think she can certainly. I think she can certainly be in the top ten. Yep, I think that's the next goal. I mean, she's been twenty. She's been, you know, fifteen. 
at the start of this year and makes a quarter of uh, the, you know, the Australian Open after making the fourth round of the US and it was third round. So it's been nice incremental improvement and growth. And that's the thing you love about Barty, is it's not certainly not a flash in the pan. Now where she sort of falls, because it's changing the top of women's tennis, we don't know what's going to happen with Serena, whether she can get to 25. Halep now has lost her spot, so Osaka goes up as the world number one. Kvitova, Kerber, Wozniacki are all getting older. It's been a mighty effort for them to try and win slams or even get into the conversation of winning a grand slam. Then you've got Osaka, you've got Sabalenka, Mertens, Barty, uh, Kasatkina from Russia. These are the next three coming through. They're eventually going to take their spot. They're like the next gen on the men's side who are really uh, developing. So she's got all the tools, Ash. It's, not, it's a great tennis to watch. It's, it's different. There's a lot of junk in there, slice. Uh, her, her backhand is really far. She's had a, a whole heap on her serve, and you know, she's, a, she's just a nice girl. Yeah, who doesn't necessarily seek the limelight or overly enjoy it. She's very business-like and quite pragmatic. But I think she's going to do us, do us proud. Yeah, terrific attitude, that's for sure. Before we let you go, um, tell us about this show, The First Serve, because we haven't spoken about it and might be going to South Australia this year, which is super exciting. Yeah, look, The First Serve is the only uh, dedicated tennis show on Australian commercial radio, so we're pretty proud of that. And it's been going for about nine years now in various different time slots. So obviously it comes out of Melbourne on, uh, on SEM which you can listen to all over Australia, uh, scn.com.au and on the app. And obviously, at the back end of last year, it started December, SA was set up, which you can listen on the app. 16.29 on the dial. I'm not sure we exactly find 16.29 a.m., but you can listen on the app. And the first serve, I think, will be certainly coming into the Adelaide audience as of uh, next Wednesday night. So we're going to be on for 46 weeks. We're going to take the show on the road as well to India Wells and Miami, the French Open, uh, Wimbledon, uh, the US. So we try and cover everything, Evan, from the elite all the way down to the grassroots as much as we possibly can. So it's talking tennis from all angles. And there's plenty of positives to talk about, but also attacking about what, are, what are the issues in tennis. And in a country like Australia, it's so competitive to get people to participate in your sport. And that's obviously the big challenge for tennis Australia is how do we get more people picking up a racket? They're doing a mighty job. Um, but, you know, kids are sport of choice in this country. So, yeah, tennis, I think, as a global sport, certainly deserves an hour of radio uh, once a week. And you can listen anywhere in Australia and the world. Terrific stuff. Well, Brett Phillips, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Tune with that, mate. And I'm uh, looking forward to the Davis Cup for the next couple of days. And let's hope the audience can do it. I'm going to have to pitch one of your pliers, mate. Like that. Oh, <laughs> chewing the fat, that's good. <laughs> right, thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers.